Good morning. What a powerful truth. Only in Jesus we can have that eternal hope that goes beyond where our human eyes can see. This morning, I've got a word that I felt a tiny whisper in my heart a few weeks ago, and I would like to share with you, but I kind of realized that maybe some of you don't know me, so I thought I'd give a quick introduce, introduce, introduce myself for a bit. <laughs> um, I was born in Brazil. My parents were missionaries in Paraguay. My dad is from Chile, my mom from Brazil. Um, I only was born in Brazil just because my mom had polio when she was young. Doctors were concerned with her health, so I was there. They intended to be a very quick journey, but it turned out to be longer because things went unexpectedly and my life was at risk. Um, they had to sign up. They actually had to flee hospital in the middle of the night um, because this is what happens sometimes in third world countries, I guess, with doctors and things went really bad. And they ran away from hospital with me and they had to take me to a private hospital and sign a document that most likely wouldn't make it to the surgery that I needed. I was 10 days old. And my mom said, my grandfather bent on his knees in hospital and cried out to God. And here I am. So God hears our prayers. He hears our cry. Um, and I, I think I've been so encouraged in the last few weeks thinking about journey, the journey of life. Um, I could go in so many other stories. Another time in, in, in Paraguay, my parents were there, were having really, really hard financial time. And they were saving all they could to get some tickets to go to Brazil to see family. Um, but it turned out that things were really, really hard. And we ended up having just mangoes for food. Now, just to give you a background, mangoes in Paraguay were like, berries down there, you know, on the fields that you can just grab them as you go on a walk, blackberries. <laughs> Mango trees are everywhere in Paraguay, so that was the easiest thing. And basically, only about two months ago, I was talking to my mom, and I heard the other side of the story, because in my mind, all I could remember was we having mango for breakfast, mango for lunch, mango for dinner. I can't remember exactly how, if it was one, two, three days, I can't remember. But then as I was sharing with my mom, she said, and do you remember what happened afterwards? And I was like, uh, maybe not. She's like, well, I sat under the tree, and as I was pouring out my heart to God, I said, like, I literally cannot go one more day like this. I don't know what else to do. We need, we need a miracle. And she said that she, in tears, lift her eyes, and behind the tree, she see a car, and she's like, that looks like my brother, my uncle. And then she's like, oh, that looks like my best friend. And, and suddenly she's like, oh my goodness, yeah, here. <laughs> so a car with um, a missionary, a pastor that he was the best friend of my mom, plus my uncle, also who was a pastor, they came all the way from Brazil to Paraguay. There was no communication. We had no internet, no telephone. So we were quite isolated in Paraguay at that 36 years ago. 30, yeah, 36 years ago. It was quite nothing really, no way for communication. So it was a huge surprise to my parents. And when they come, they literally had food like 
honestly, the cart was loaded with food and all the sorts of things that we needed, uh, plus money to go to Brazil. And I was just thinking the other day, wow, how, unless we were to go to experience, extreme experience in life, sometimes we wouldn't experience God's faithfulness in a deeper way. Because if we didn't go, if he prevented some of the sufferings or trials or challenges in our lives, we would not benefit of the experience of knowing his provision in the, where, in the places where it seems there's no way out. So I just wanted to share that with you. I don't know how you are today. You might be feeling a bit overwhelmed with some th circumstances. And one of the things that I want to explore today is in this journey of life, God is faithful through it all. Um, I was also thinking, like, don't you think it's quite special in our family here, church family? I don't know, I never counted, but we, I'm sure we have quite a lot of different people from different places in the UK, different countries from around the world. God is definitely doing something special among us. Sometimes we get caught up in our own little world and a story, but actually God has a bigger picture, a bigger story, and he welcomes us in to take part of that story. But ultimately, it's our choice, whether we want it or not, to be part of his plans and his story. He won't force us. He will gently chase us. I'm sure this past year, and particularly the last couple of months, I felt like I've, there's been a highlight of my weaknesses and fragility as, as a human being, how life can be so unpredictable, how we have no control as much as we would like to have, or we think sometimes we might have. In in the midst of all the sadness and losses that we had recently, it kind of brought up to the surface a thought or idea that, or a phrase that, that came up to my mind probably about 15 years ago when I, I felt like after experiences, experiencing different realities, different countries, I've been to different countries, Brazil, Paraguay, England, and... God, God has allowed me to see different amazing stories, but also there is a sad reality that we can see through the Bible as well, which is sometimes we start really well, but we finish not so well. And I felt, as I was praying for today, I felt God challenging me through a story in Second Chronicles chapters 14 to 16. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. We're gonna just, I'm going to just give a bit of a summary. We're going to dip in and out a few verses just to have an idea. But it's about a king called Asa. And he was son of a very evil king. And he... and his grandmother too, it was just, he came from a really rough 
people of God has turned away from God, but he himself chose to follow God. So as I was reading this story, let me see if I can find my notes. I got lost. <laughs> Here we go. In Second Chronicles, I'm going to just read the verses 2 to 4. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. So as soon as King Asa took the throne, he went from town to town throughout the land, removing pagan altars and prohibiting the sins associated with them, and he restored proper worship to the Lord. As soon as, I wonder sometimes how quick we are to respond when we hear the word of God. Then in verse 7 of the same chapter, he says, did I put it on the slide? Maybe not, sorry. I'll just read it quickly. I should have had it open already. I'm sorry. I'm not all that organized today. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, no, no, sorry. Yeah. So basically, what I'm trying to say is that in, he says that there was peace all around them. Here we go. The land, in, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't put, I think, that. there it is. The land is, <laughs> sorry, the land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us peace on every side. How amazing is that? Just the thought of it, peace on every side. Now, I wonder about you, how many times you might feel that we're going through seasons in life that everything is so smooth and the journey is amazing and you feel like in peace on every side. But that doesn't last forever. That doesn't last forever because we have an enemy. And so we can't forget that our battles are not against flesh. We have, we call Satan the devil. He's after. He's trying to stop us. And I want to say, can we go to the next slide? Sorry. I definitely got lost on my notes. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's it. So Asa, after a while, he's affronted by a million men. Now, I don't know about you. How would you feel if a million men came against you? They were completely outnumbered. Now, we might not go through, we might not experience a military of a million men coming after us. But 
everyday life sometimes, the battles that you might go through, it might feel like that. It might feel that you are outnumbered, that like literally you don't know how to win this battle. But Asa turns to the Lord. I'm going to just quickly read this to you in verse 11. And Asa cried to the Lord, his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let no man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. I wonder how, how sometimes when we are affronted, when we feel intimidated, when life gets hard, what do we do? Where do we go to first? Here in this story, we see King Asa went straight and cried out to the Lord. And the Lord defeated them before him. So, sorry, may I, have I missed, sorry, no, 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 PowerPoint slide three, please. <laughs> slide three. It's okay, it's not coming up. The words are not coming up. But let me read it to you, it's okay. We are in a battle, right? There is an enemy that is after our soul. And this is what, how Charles Spurgeon put it like this. Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Now, I not only say that, but I say that remember that the Son of God, the creator of the universe, he was willing to step down to become flesh, flesh, to become his own creation, humble himself, endure the cross. That is how precious your soul is. Now, as we continue in this story, we we have been through a very rough year, and you might not, like King Asa, you might not feel that you've been affronted by a million men, but the pandemic alone has caused a lot of intimidation. And on top of that, all your own personal battles, whether they are emotional, physical, financial, family, whatever it is, that sometimes it feels like, just like Asa, affronted. And that is because there's someone trying to take you away from that race. But I want to encourage you today. You are not alone. We are all 
together in this, and the Lord is at hand. As you can see, as soon as Asa turned his heart to the Lord, the Lord heard and delivered them. As we continue into the story, in chapter 15, the Lord gives a strong message, but I'm going to focus only on verse 7 and 8. That was what it was before 7 and 8 on Second Chronicles. That's it. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Isaiah heard these words and the prophecy of Isaiah, son of Obed, the prophet, he took courage, took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. It takes courage to remove idolatry. Now, I find it interesting because through the two chapters, 14 and 16, it mentions more than one time about idolatry. You might say to me, we don't have any idolatry, any image. But in today's day, idolatry takes all forms. To make it simple, idolatry today is anything that takes God's first place in our hearts. Anything that becomes more worthy over time and attention. Who do you go first who do you go to first when feeling intimidated or overwhelmed? Who do you go first? In whom do you put your trust? So as we're exploring the theme of the journey of life, how it doesn't matter how well we start, but how we finish, I want to encourage you today each day, we're going one more day closer to the day we encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are we ready for that encounter? It's inevitable. We're all going to get to that place from earth into eternity. And I find it very challenging in a way to see how this we're going to go forward into the the story but how he didn't take idolatry just once he did in chapter 14 and then in chapter 15 after being in that amazing experience having that amazing experience of winning the battle the lord gave the battle before their enemies he had to do it again. And that's when the prophet, the word came and says, take courage, remove idolatry. And to me, that is for us today, it's, it's not a one single event in time that we remove all the things that are in our hearts, that are taking God's place in our heart. It's an ongoing process every day as we walk the journey of life. We constantly need to search our hearts to be rem reminded that truly only he has the words of eternal life. 
Now, it's amazing. At that point, Asa was doing so well. He was doing all. The Bible says that God was pleased with him. He was doing all that was right. But sadly, towards the later years of his life, he chose to ignore God. When confronted in two different circumstances, he chose, instead of doing just like he did before the million men, turning to the Lord for his help and support, he turned to others. And I wonder how many times in our lives sometimes the easiest, quickest option is to turn to anything else for support and help but God. So today I want to encourage you to choose time and time again to put your trust in the Lord. It's not a one-day event. It's a journey of life. You know, I was thinking about Jesus. He's the God of a journey. He could have, um, he could have come up with a fast in a world where we are, everything is fast food, everything is for yesterday, everything is quick, quick, quick. He could have come with a faster saving plan. But instead, he was born, he lived, he died. And even a resurrection was an instant. It took three days for him to rise again. So even the Son of God experienced what it is. That everything, there is a time for everything under heaven. Every, every time I think about it, it's just, thank you, Jesus, that you chose to take the journey. He knows we have part of Trinity in heaven. God himself became flesh. And he's interceding for us. Asa's story in the Bible happened before Jesus. And we know that through Jesus, we have a new covenant. covenant. And in him, there's grace. Grace has been unfolded. And the Bible says that Jesus will leave the 99 to go for the one. Now, even though Asa was before Jesus, we still see God's goodness and grace in his life. Because even though he chose not to ignore God, he gave opportunities for Asa to repent, to come back to the path of life. And I want to encourage you this morning that until your very last breath, we all are going to be given time and time again opportunities to choose to trust the Lord, to choose to go back to the path of life. For me, as I read the story, and if you want to read at home in your own time, because it's quite long and, and deep to look into it, but for me, I can see three things from the story that we can learn. One is that it doesn't matter how well we finish, uh, we might have started the journey, but how, rather how we finish it. So let's run the race. Number two, 
Let's remove any idolatry in our hearts and allow God to be the center of it all. Anything that might hinder, anything that might separate us from him, anything that might be in the way, we can be searching continually our heart before him. Number three, let's constantly choose to put our trust in him alone. If you're feeling discouraged, struggling to trust, it's okay. We've all been there. We all encounter those seasons in our lives. But I want to encourage you. Time and time again, choose to trust. There are some verses in the Bible I want to share with you because they are so encouraging. And I think... What makes the difference is the character of God. Sometimes we forget. We look too much to our feelings and how we see things. And we give, we put our trust on what we see and what we feel rather than what the truth of God is upon our lives. In Second Chronicles, the same, in the same story in the end, in chapter 69, says, For the eyes of the Lord range through all the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Can you imagine that picture? The almighty God, the great I am, going through earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him, to strengthen them. In Psalm 121, it says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot sleep. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. We have the comfort that the creator of the universe, the God, the great I am, our savior, our redeemer, he's watching over us, but he doesn't sleep. He's always at work, even when we can't see it. He's still working. And I love in Corinthians 4, we're reminded, is it there? Yeah. We are hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, but not despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Through the Bible, you will see everywhere evidence of God's love, grace, mercy, goodness, his character, his compassion, slow to anger, his faithful to the very end. So you can have the reassurance that he is what he says he is. But it's your decision, my decision to choose to trust. As I said earlier on, he will not force you to anything. But kindly and graciously, he will chase you. I wonder if any of you have ever felt like that. Little things happening all around you that you sometimes not even take notice, but it's God's goodness and grace following you, drawing you back, drawing you nearer, deeper to him. Now, I wonder if our society put too much emphasis in our feelings. What I feel, I'll do what I feel like I'm doing. It looks like our generation is becoming 
slave or our feelings. I want you to think about this. Imagine Jesus at the cross. How do you think he feel? He felt. Do you think he was enjoying himself at that moment? I feel good. I don't think so. It was excruciating pain. But at that moment, what he, he kept him going and enduring the cross was the joy that was set, set ahead of him. He saw each one of you and me as he was enduring that painful sacrifice. Are we, as I heard of Afghanistan and all that is going on and all the other persecuted churches from time to time, I think to myself, are we taking for granted the freedom we have? We can simply come whenever we want and worship whenever we want. Also, I'm reminded, it's, it's, it's always a, a, call, a waking up call to me, myself, from time to time. I remember that the Pharisees, they knew all about God. They knew all about the law. They thought they knew Jesus. But they missed his very presence in flesh among them. I wonder if we suddenly have become too familiar with the gospel. I wonder if we are in danger, just like we know many famous people. And we see all about them on the news, and we know loads of them, and to the point that we think that we know them. But we never met them. We never had a cup of tea with them. We never been spending time with them. They are not our friends. We just hear about them. Are we in danger of hearing so much about Jesus, about God is, but not actually knowing him. I believe it's time to seek the Lord, always. We can't rely on what we hear from others. It's time for us individually to continue pressing on, drawing near, hearing his voice ourselves, knowing Jesus, walking with him. There is a verse that is quite strong, but I, I, I like to say it because in the end of the day, is written. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. For me, as strong as these verses are, as beautiful, the heart of God for relationship with humanity. He loves you so much. He's not interested in our performance, in what we can do. He wants to know you. Now, this is a tricky bit because he knows you anyway. He wants you to know him.
I believe Jesus is calling us to a deeper relationship with him. As we walk from earth into eternity. This is just the preparation for what is coming. But we tend to focus too much on this bit here that we forget that what it really matters is the end. Is the final day when we see him face to face. We don't know our time and day. We don't know when he's returning. We don't know when he's going to be our last breath. But what we can do while we are here is making the choice to trust in him and to know him. I, I, when I think about a race, have you ever seen, I mean, you have seen, what am I saying? In the Olympics, when all the runners are the last final lap, they've been running. Now imagine that final bit is the hardest because by then you're probably giving it all and you, can't, or you feel like you can't give any little bit more. You're exhausted, you're thirsty, you've run so long, you're tired. Don't we feel like that sometimes? It's been a long journey of life and for some of you young, you were thinking, what, I'm starting now. But there will be. I'm going I'm to share something quick and funny. But I imagine that race, just like as you see when the final lap comes, they give it all and they cross the line. And so most of them just throw themselves on the floor, burst into tears. That uh, accumulation of emotions, of relief. I made it. I managed. I ran. I finished. I won. <laughs> imagine how that day will be like. When you face Jesus face to face and you look the journey behind you. I'm 100% sure we would all be able to say, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of every single struggle, every single pain. None of this earth can compare to that day. So I want to encourage you today to keep looking to the finish line. When the runner is getting there, he's, if he was to stop and start thinking, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, he would quit. He wouldn't be able to continue. But what keeps him going, he keeps looking to that line. That's his goal. And he will keep going until he reaches that goal. And I believe many of us are racing the, life of, uh, the journey of life without realizing that the biggest and most important achievement anyone can have on this earth is finish the race of life and having eternity with Jesus. Any other achievement, when it comes to that day that you stand before the throne of grace, any other achievement, achievement counts for nothing. So I want to encourage you to do in everything as we look into the journey of life we've been through. Never forget the faithfulness of God. Asa forgot that before the Lord has helped him to defeat a million men. Let's remember what God has done in our lives. And let's keep running the race. Let's keep fixing our eyes in Jesus, the ultimate goal. And I love the fact that 
the reason why I said I would, I would share something funny. When we are young, when we are young, I was young. I was 16 one day, 14, 13. <laughs> All you see at that moment in boys is the appearance. You don't think, oh, girls, boys or two girls, you don't think of the journey of the relationship, of building a, everything, something together, all that at that point. And that is why? Because we are growing. We are still learning. We haven't had the journey of life. We are maturing. In our life with Jesus, at the first glance, sometimes we just look for what he can give for us. But as we grow into a journey with him, as we grow in our walk with Jesus, we'll know there's so much deeper than that. So I want to encourage you today. I was 16 once. And when I look back, I see God's faithfulness, his footprint all the way. But he won't force you. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. He'll be always there, ready. If it is of any encouragement, I was 16 when I pray and ask God, give me a word that will guide me and lead me to the right person. Because I know it's quite difficult <laughs> to know when you're so young and you don't know what is around and what's going to happen in the future. I was 24 when God sent Tiago in my life. Sorry to embarrass you. <laughs> but it was a fulfillment of a word I had that I asked myself to the Lord when I was 16. So I want to testify of God's faithfulness and guidance through each step of the way if you choose to want to let him lead you in the way. His ways are higher and it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus.